0: So this morning, we're, as we're returning to 1 Corinthians series, after five weeks of just good break, an a- Advent series, hopeful anticipation, a lot of fun, touching, good stuff. And today, if you look at the passage itself, it is just obscure. What is all this obsession about head coverings? Um... But actually, I, I, I believe the wisdom of God is better than any of the human wisdom in this world. So I pray that uh, God will speak to us and lead us, not only individually but cooperately and together. We are at chapter 11 of First Corinthians. Paul's letter to the Christians in Corinth. Greco-Roman world of first century. This was a very problematic church. So oftentimes, because of this reality of their problems and crisis and sexualized culture, oftentimes it feels like first Californians that Paul would, Apostle Paul would write letter to our culture, even today. Uh, the cultural description might be far from us, but the issue is very close to us. In a different section now we 're going into uh, leaving from the issues of a food offered to idol worships um, chapter eight, nine ten. And then, chapter eleven, beginning with chapter eleven, the general theme of the questions that Apostle Paul is answering is public worship issues. What's happening in the public worship today? It is head covering of woman in, during the public worship. And then, secondly, the next Sunday we're going to talk about the Lord's supper, supper the communion, proper way of doing. All kinds of things were going on. and then spiritual gifts, chapter 12, 13, 14. And then 13 is known for the love chapter, right? But we need to look at third, 13th chapter, love chapter, in the context of all these problems about gifts, spiritual gifts. It is rich if we look at that in the context. So because of the obscure things about the topic itself, I need to kind of guide you into at least three key issues to look at, so that as we're going through it, you would pay attention to those things more. First. First, we need to talk about, uh, before we get into the three issues, prerequisites. There is a prerequisite for understanding understanding this uh, passage. Can you give me one more? It requires an approach to scripture, including Apostle Paul's letters. As the supreme and final authority of our faith and conduct, seeking scriptural guidance on this delicate issue. In other words, we need to set aside our preconceptions or, or the culturally minded presuppositions in order to really listen to God's word. So having said that, there are three key issues. The first one is head covering. Head covering is basically a cultural custom and tradition in 1st century Corinth, which meant the symbol of modesty and submission and sense of belonging. So the difficult part about today's passage is it's really hard to find equivalent in our culture. I think, the, it's a lame example, the last thing that we could think about is wedding ring. When you wear a wedding ring, it is a simple that you belong to someone. Especially with a woman, you're going to a restaurant or a meeting in a, like a, a hotel lobby, a bar somewhere that is a publicly you're seen, and if you don't wear wedding ring, then you look cute. And you're kind of sending implicit message that you're available. The guys will approach you. So, in some sense, it was like the head covering. This is not actually, some, some other translations uh, put it as a veil, like a Middle Eastern woman veil? No. It is actually head covering, like the nuns wear, those kind. What does that mean? That you belong to your husband, husband and wife relationship, you belong to your father. Symbolically, that you are showing a modesty and a submission to that. And sadly, because of the confusion about this passage, some of the Christians, especially Catholics, and if you've been to Catholic mass, they still wear, the women will wear some kind of a a head covering into the worship. And I've been to uh, their Catholic worship before, and they still do that. But underneath those cultural practices, the key principle that Apostle Paul underpins here, as God God designed, the universal principle of gender role is headship. The head of wife is men. The head of men is Christ. The head of Christ. It's god and for us to miss that because of all these cultural things that we're going to miss the whole message and the whole chapter is becomes irrelevant so let's pay attention to that and lastly as we're paying attention to headship without preconceptions or presuppositions in our heart the key two things emerge. First is equality of man and woman, and second is complementarity or complementary roles of differences. And there are some passages that I don't even know. I look at several commentaries, more commentaries than any other message, but it's so confusing. Because of the opinions are Different and different things about what that could that mean. But if you remember these three things, we will not be lost in the cu- cultural uh, jumbles of all those things. So let's focus on that. Heship and equality are two timeless principles of gender roles. The Apostle Paul is presenting here as a guidance. And there are at least three things and then we're going to actually conclude and recap and apply. Here's the first principle. The underlying issue of head covering is about headship of man and equality of woman. Verse 4. We're going to go back to verse 2 and 3 later. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Since it is the same as if her head was shaven, for, for if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. Hang in there, okay? What in the world is going on, right? There are uh, cultural things we need to understand. To wear head covering meant symbol of submission to some kind of authority, and immodesty, humility. And then, as a matter of fact, every decent woman, when they go out to public places, uh, out of their home, they will wear head covering if you don't wear head covering it sends all kinds of different messages as if i said you're not wearing wedding ring if you're married there are exceptions though prostitutes and very low ranking slave girls didn't bother to wear head covering So the Christians gathered together. And this chauvinistic culture and all kinds of male dominance is going on. Abusive things are going on. And the message of gospel of Christ came and freed the woman. As a matter of fact, they were able to not only sit in Jewish synagogue, you, you're not even allowed to sit with men. And not only the temple, you're not even going into the temple. You're on the outskirt of just being woman. Just imagine that. But Christ came, uh, liberating revolutionary message you know, that the, neither Jews or Gentiles or were slaves or free men, man and woman, they're all one in Christ Jesus. That message, freedom. And then those all kinds of supernatural things. I, I could even imagine, maybe some woman freeing, dancing, or you know, charismatic worship. You know, the all kinds of uh, supernatural phenomena was going on in that worship. The Corinth was very proud of their spiritual gifts. Some woman pushed the envelope and saying, because we're all in one Christ, I don't want to be different from other gender men. So maybe they were wearing it, throwing away. Or some, some kind of things are going on. right? And Paul, Apostle Paul is saying, don't do that. Because it violates headship. You should honor your head meaning your husband or your father. And then not only families, but Christian family or the church family. So that was going on. So for for a woman to not wear, wear head covering was somewhat really peculiarly offensive to the Corinthian culture, Gentiles. On top of that, the Jewish men coming in, and their tradition was wearing a head covering. Men, when they read scripture or prophesy, the, the word prophesying is not necessarily t- telling about the future, the telling forth the word of God. Sometimes it's about the future, but sometimes it's a, our way of preaching. Woman was leading prayer. And prophesying in the worship. Not only they're sitting in together. Those things are going on. And then when, when women are doing those things, Paul is saying, wear your, your, wear your head covering. Show respect and honor. Do not disturb the public worship that way. When men wear, when wear it, Apostle Paul said, don't wear it. Why do you think, you know Jewish people even nowadays, they're wearing a little beanie on top, right? You know where that came from? That came from the misunderstanding of Moses coming down from the Mount Sinai. And because of his encounter with the glory of God, his face was shining. The, The light of glory was coming out of his face. So he could, the people couldn't handle it, so he covered his head, even the face like this. And then later on, Jewish rabbis misunderstood that as in order to meet God's glory, you need to wear head covering. So instead of the head covering and the veil was for the people to prevent from the glory of God exuding from, from Moses' face, but actually became uh, every man when you meet God wear head covering. It became like that. So think about this. So in the Greco-Roman world, Gentile world, and the, to the typical Corinthians, men wearing a head covering, especially for public worship, a public setting, that's weird. It's like uh, you're wearing a Pink little beanie on top of your head. Whenever you do something, so what in the world is going on? So Paul basically saying, that's the cultural context. Now, swimming from through all this, the key concept is still the headship. There are two views what head means. The Greek word "kephale" is literally this head. Jesus, Christ is the head of the church, but there are two different meanings, even original meaning, a meaning. The one is that there is a sense of authority, and the other one is source, the head of the river, the beginning of where what river comes from. And there are evangelical leaders and scholars, and even some of them that I deeply respect. Disagree on this. And one view is head is sorcerer. People usually call them egalitarians or egalitarianism. Egalitarian view is there is no difference in gender roles, everyone's equal, including roles. Um, Second is it is still authority, some kind of authority, complementarian is. They complement each other, make two gender roles, make each other's full and whole, that view. Um, and obviously, most, most of you guys know, and even this message, you, you sense that I am a complementarian, in, in terms of theological position. But I do have a big problem. What kind of problem do I have? Because the equality of woman and man, we need to be not just a shy way of posturing that, as if we give a little token of gesture. We need to go full force on equality. In the name of complementarianism, sometimes we could go patriarchal uh, hierarchies concept of male chauvinism. In church history, there are so many kinds of abusive things have said and practice were going on. So we need to uphold the equality in full sense, in all ways. On the other hand, there's egalitarians right off Paul's headship as mistaken. He's culturally more specific, irrelevant. It doesn't apply. Basically, write off this part of Paul as really not fully inspired the word of God has final authority on our faith. So somehow there's a swimming through that and saying equality and there's no Gender difference is basically denying the headship that Apostle Paul in inspiration of God's spirit and teaches here. And it, it is culturally so relevant and culturally popular and politically correct and not to mention feminist movement but the Christian feminist movement, soft kind of people. then people are not only women but men. Went on the bandwagon, and there's a very moderate kinds of egalitarian views there. And I wish, if I could make up on my own word, I would see. I, I could say, egalic complementarism. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, or before we go into that. Let's look at a typical prayer from Talmud. Jewish man's daily prayer. Thank you, God, for not making me a Gentile, a woman, or slave. Before Christ, even during Christ's time, this was a predominant cultural and temperature of gender worth. There was no recall in any sense. And Jesus came. Remember one who uphold the headship principle? Also said, Apostle Paul in Galatians 3, 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So headship doesn't mean inferiority or superiority. Number two principle, headship and equality in gender roles are rooted in, deeply rooted in, tritarian complementarity or equality and equality and the creation. Verse two, you will know what I mean by tritarian complementarity, and equality. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I deliver them to you. This is one of those talks that when we share something very delicate, Paul starts with affirmation. Not so much, they had so much problems but he affirms that you actually know what it means. They, they revere knowledge without much of heart, obedience. But having said that, he goes right into verse 3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Jumping to verse 8. For man was not made from woman but woman from men. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. So, whenever we have a problem with these confusing things, and even what you just read, I really... I'm not sure, I like that, So the our priority submission to God's word is, continually think about what has been said in God's word. So think about this. Paul is saying, "Christ's head is God, and God is head of Christ. And Christ is God's glory. The Glory, we could even substitute the word delight. God's delight. And God's expression of his, his glory is in Christ. So if you are a believer, a true believer and follower of Christ, one thing you must believe about Christ is that Christ is not any less than God the Father. In his own um, claim, and in in all eternity, God the second person, uh, the Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ is fully God, equal with God the Father in every sense. But and yet, he willingly submits to the Father. It's so a question of, when you think about headship, I, I don't like, why can't I be the leader? Even even a lot of women has more leadership gifts and talents. And a lot of men are a little passive. That's not the point here. When you think about who's not who's not better or who's worth it, who's, that's not the issue. What, what a tritarian complementarity shows is that it is actually in full equality and loving mutual submission and adoration going on. But God the Father has a role. And God the Son has a role. God the Holy Spirit has a role. You know Holy Spirit shows up. He doesn't talk about Himself. He lifts up the name of Christ. Christ shows up. He lifts the name of the Almighty God, the Father. So we need to rest Assure that humans can misunderstand and, and distort it, that complementary role, difference in role, doesn't mean inequality or spurity or inferiority at all. It's a cultural bias. Okay, secondly, the male headship is also designed not after the fall but before the fall in during the creation it was a God's idea. So when you think about God has placed man in the order of creation and then God takes a rib out of man and makes woman and then this is bone of my flesh, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And then what he sees is is actually his delight and joy and his glory in woman. And then once again the cultural thing that we need to unpack is that she's your helpmate. And then what, what do we think about usually? Daddy's little helper. Once you come, you don't actually do anything, you just sit around. So I don't like to be that way. No, actually Think about Holy Spirit coming. He is the call. He's the called. Come alongside, helper. Holy Spirit, Got the F- Holy Spirit. We're talking about you can't really do calculus, and the doctor comes in. Two PhD coming coming in. I'll help you. I'll work, work, work alongside. Or you don't know how to make a simple dinner. But your mom comes. I'll be your helper tonight. That's the form. It's not necessarily, you know, woman's role is, you know, less important or inferior in any way. After all, when you think about the value of kingdom of God, is one who serves is actually respected and lifted up high. Servant leadership, right? But in our culture. The creation happened. What happened? Sin came in. Fall of the humankind. Adam and sin called it. And the curse came in. He will rule over you. That's why all these chauvinism and other things are coming in. And redemption is when Jesus came in and freed us from all that. One thing we need to mention before we move on. This example of headship and following and uh, equality and, and headship of Christ's relationship with God is with love, out of love, not duty or obligation, but full willingness. And it is, even the husband and wife relationship, it is so true that even a strong woman. When the husband loves the wife, the way that Jesus Christ loves the church, sacrificially, with humility, loves and cares and cherishes. That strong woman becomes softer and tender, trying to lean on you. And I, I, I am, I am really the. The object lesson right here. Kate's smarter than me. Kate's wittier than me. I can't compete in terms of his I'm so slow in saying anything. Surely, like something like we can I can't even fight with her in terms of words. But she's known for quieting all these you know cocky guys with her witty and sarcastic remarks. I mean you know what I'm saying is that strong woman when I loved her when I trusted her became softer <laughs> tender <Good job. laughs> Look at this So God created man in his own image in Genesis 1:27 in the image of God he created him See the male Man, or the one here in gender thing is, actually, man is a representation of the humankind. Man and woman. God didn't just made man, and you are my glory. Actually, all human beings are under that. Listen to this. Male and female, he created them. About 300 years ago, Henry Nowen, I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Matthew Henry. You could find it in a, a Bible gateway. His, his uh, commentary is all available, right? This is from Genesis chapter 2. His comments, uh, oozing out of that. I like this so much. I put in my Facebook post this morning before I come to the service. The woman was made of a rib out of side of Adam not made out of his head to rule over him not out of his feet to be trampled upon by him but out of his side to be equal with him under his arm to be protected near his heart to be beloved that is a creation wisdom God's wisdom Third and last one, and I'm going to do a recap and closing. Hedgehog equality in gender roles are also upheld by interdependence, nature, and apost- apostolic authority. Um, by the way, I do need to mention that. Verse 10, I still don't know what that really means. <laughs> 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 that is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on head, on her head because of angels. But for some of you, I, I need to say what I read in commentary. And they're saying, it kind of makes sense, that one that I closely remember because I, others are really so obscure. The angels are so interested in worship. And when it comes to submission and honor, they are so aware of every day they submit to the God the Almighty and honor Him. So in public worship, they're saying, if we are careless in honoring the head, honoring your head, who, poor woman, your husband, or your, your male uh, in Christian family together, that will be uh, offensive. Angels will watch over us. It doesn't uh, kind of jive into you. And you don't really see that. I, I don't see that. It's okay. I don't even know. <laughs> so verse 11. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourself. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does Does not nature itself teach you That if a man wears a long hair, it is disgrace for him. For if a woman has a long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Once again, it's loaded with a lot of cultural stuff. But if we remember headship principle and equality principle, things become easier. First first of all, differences, interdependence means differences in gender roles do not mean superiority or inferiority, but complementarity that calls for synergistic interdependence. Anyone who says, I don't need men, the seemingly godly woman's ministry, people that that's very not following the footsteps of guidance of the scripture man who likes a lot of manly thing right masculinity eating a lot of meat and going camping (laughs) but you know what jesus said love one another as i loved you Don't you think it means also brother to sister and sister to brother? Can we imagine biblically godly and purely healthy friendships among men and women? Yes, that's what brothers and sisters look like, right? To a point, in first century, church had this misunderstanding among the Gentiles, among the non-Christian believers. They said... uh, insist going on why because you do look like brothers and sister and care for each other and they marry they're not really truly brother, brother sister in blood but as a brother and sister in Christ they really love each other oh brother and sister but they got married ooh the point that I'm making is the interdependence even in ministry like even in our church, I, I wanna we wanna free and empower women to do a lot of things. The male headship principle, still gender role difference, we practice the male elders. And we're gonna talk about speaking on you know God's word and the preaching, that's another matter that we're gonna set aside. Uh, nature, um, I, I read some commentaries that talks about physiological differences. A male goes bald quickly. A woman is easier to have a long hair. It doesn't make sense to me. Because some cultures could be there is a lot of exceptions. But what what I think it means, and nature speaks to that, is that generally, general norm of it is every culture has what is designed as, oh, that looks feminine, or that looks masculine, and that looks modesty. Every culture. Paul is saying, in this particular culture, it will be absurd a man to wear long hair, Woman to have a short hair or a shaved head. So follow the footsteps in modesty, upholding the nature in the, se- in the sense of cultural norm. That's what I think it is, but still I'm not sure. Lastly, aposto- apostolic charge from Paul is to honor the headship in humility. So now let's recap and conclude. Quickly, Uh, if I write one sentence, it will be this. Man and woman are equal in worth and different in roles. Uphold both equality and headship. There are four things I want to recap. Uphold the equality of man and woman in all ways. Not halfway, not a gesture. Number two, embrace the headship. Honor man's complementary role even though he might not be such a born gifted uh, leader not out of obligation but out of love if you're man take your responsibility of taking initiative leading your family leading your ministry church not to control but to empower woman number 3 Pursue synergistic interdependence, acknowledging your need for one one another's complementary roles in full equality. To never say, I don't need woman, I don't need man, I don't need you. We need to be interdependent with each other's strength. And lastly, in applying equality and hardship in today's world, Seek guidance not from the culture, it will confuse us big time, but from scripture with our priority submission. That simply means pre-decision before you read anything. You make up your mind about what scripture is to you, and you submit what the scripture says. And then some of you might not like what I said, and some of you might even disagree on some things. Because, like I said, I'm a complementarian, but in a kind of different, kind of skewed, a weird kind of complementarian. Because in practice, there is some things, not just complementary roles, but there's a innuendo of males in po- in power. Anyone who's in power, need to be very cautious, because you could abuse others, take advantage of others, right? The rich people need to be very careful. The political people who are in power, in, in office, very careful. Pastors need to be very careful. That's integrity, Christian integrity. We need to follow the example of Jesus. But having said that, we need to look at our priority submission means, not because of what I think it is right, not because what I read in so many other areas, and you have a PhD in your sociology or or psychology, anywhere else, but because of you have trust and full faith and submission to the Word of God. I close with John Stutz's Wise Words for Us. He writes So far, we have looked at two opposite viewpoints on relationships between man and woman. On the one hand, there are those who affirm masculine headship, rightly in my view, but do it so strongly as to seem to deny the full equality of the sexes. On the other hand, there are those who deny headship in order to affirm, rightly in my view, the equality of the sexes. But as I have tried to show all attempts to to get rid of Paul's teaching on headship on the grounds that it is mistaken, confusing, culture-bound, or culture-specific, must be pronounced unsuccessful, it remains stubbornly there. It is in divine revelation, not human opinion, and in divine creation, not human culture. In essence, therefore, it must be preserved as having permanent and universal authority. To that, let the God's people say, Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for guiding our community, our church. We belong to you, Abba. We pray that our intimate relationship out of love that we may submit to your headship over us as a church of Christ. And we pray that our church will embrace both and uphold both the equality of man and woman in worth but at the same time uphold the headship of man in families, and in church. We do pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us and help us discern amidst the cultural confusions of gender and gender roles. We're so grateful for many gifted women in our church family, as well as many gifted men. We pray that you will continually charge us to fully live out the gifts that you've given us to serve the body of Christ, to seek the glory of God. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.